right? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I don't think that the level of psychology that was applied to slavery in America was ever ever done before. I think that this was like a whole nother level. Okay. Psychology, the thoughtfulness that went into um, not only you know what did Carter G. Carter G. Woodson say? Uh, if I know what a man thinks, I don't have to worry about what he's gonna do. Welcome to the Collab Lab, where we are helping you create disruptive creativity, your new reality. Folks, if you're just joining in, you're listening to a special edition of the Collab Lab. You know, we always say, don't just blab, bring it to the Collab Lab. But I am Sir Charles. We've got Michelle, Galen, and Tamara. And we're talking about some of the discomforts of life in the midst of COVID-19. I know. Was it 24? I can't remember the color purple again. Mm -hmm. Sophia sitting at the yeah. you know take Easter, so we getting ready to celebrate Easter. Come on, universe! Yes, thank you for the intersections, forced connections. She said, "There's nothing like having this, you know, having you know a song and then having it beat out of you because I didn't show up the way society said I should show up as a black woman." Mm -hmm. And so because I said, hell no, I would not be your maid. And in that particular day and age, she ended up, you know, being jailed for owning her story. Having the audacity. Yeah. The unmitigated guard. How dare you? So. We record. I'm gonna say, Sir Charles, we record because we got some great content right great. now. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Galen, we got that fire out of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And, 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 and you know what's interesting about that? Because I, I've been actually contemplating a lot of similar things. But what's interesting about that, Tamara, is how when you show up owning who you are, that makes other people uncomfortable. Mm, and that's, yes, why yes. They have to put, that's why they have to put you in your place yes that's why they have to you know in your situation with the color purple that's why so that's why she had to go to jail go away because she made other people uncomfortable uh <clears throat> that's why you have uh you know black kids i just i just finished watching when they see us mm, and yes and, and and that was about it made other people uncomfortable yep and so when the system, when society is uncomfortable, that's when they start incarcerating a particular group of people at an unconscious rate, yep. uh, just because they're uncomfortable. I can't do anything to make you feel comfortable. That's work that uh, they've got to do themselves. Yep. You and know, as I we talk about this, this well, let me sorry. say this to that point is, I also see it from the opposite perspective too, that when you use your voice, it gives others permission to use their voice as well. And back to the color purple, and it's been a long time, but wasn't it when um, Oprah Winfrey's, Winfrey's character, Sophia used her, no, she always used her voice, but it she gave did. the other women, you know, uh, Celie and who's the little- uh, Phil. Phil. No, um, no, Squeak, Squeak, Squeak. Mary yes. Agnes, Mary. Yes. Yes. Mary Agnes. I thought your name was Squeak. I just saw it. Now that's one of my favorites. My sisters and I, we always read. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it gave her permission too, because she was this little timid, little demon, you know, little bird-like character. And all of a sudden she got her big girl panties on and she's like, hey, let's do this. And she owned her name because she said, well, my name ain't Squeak. 
Yes. Mary Agnes. And she Come threw on. her shoulders back, put their head up in that chin. Yes. Yeah. And I'm going to sing. Well, yeah. You can see it. Yes. Right? So, so again, and, and then, so talking, oh my goodness, why would you mention that, right, Michelle? Okay, because when you think about the enormity of that, that was when you're talking about women's empowerment, that women's, that new wave of owning our spaces, right? So Shug then went first and said, well, Celie's coming with us. Yeah. What? And then he goes in. He didn't say anything to Suge because, again, he loved her, respected her. But Celie, he could beat down. That's he could right. talk about her. You're black. You're ugly. You can't. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? You know, hire yourself to form. You ain't good enough, you know, to clean out anybody's slop jar. And mm -hmm. you ain't a good cook. Well, the said, mm -hmm. you're a better cook than that first wife you had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just all of this commentary going on around yeah, the yeah. table. Yeah. It's, you know, contention between these two people. And then she said, listen, I've not ever asked you for one thing, not even your sorry ass hand in marriage, but wow. to, you do right by me. Everything you touch will fail. Yes. Everything you touch will fail. And then after that, then, right, Squeak starts laughing. Then guess what? Harpo says, don't you know it's bad for a lady to um, <laughs> laugh at a man? And then Sophia starts laughing she, so, so she came in the interference to squeak to say you can laugh because you know harper wasn't gonna check Come sophia mm -mm. right and then she stood up and it was just all of these women in their own right in their own way supporting clapping and loving one another and giving them space to share their voice yeah. or tamara with the purpleology Yes. <laughs> yeah, bro, yeah, bro, this movie down, boy. Right? Oh, my God. You know that's You're strong. That's strong because for many of us, we don't realize we're learning without learning, and we're learning sub so subconsciously. And mm -hmm. it reminds me of old school. That's why I always say, I am a millennial trapped in a boomer's body. Because, mm -hmm. because you are told and taught and shown these old traditional ways mm -hmm. doesn't mean doesn't mean it was always going to be that way or mm -hmm. that that is the only way and there's so many traditional people so many boomers that are caught up in how they used to fill in the blank big mama does it this way so that's the only way and that's a level of discomfort that those people have yet to overcome to acknowledge or to be open to, you know, as far as learning how to evolve, learning the new ways of doing things, realizing that, yes, it was good at a time, for a time, but this is a different time. And so many people are literally just locked in that. I mean, I know people who will not lift a finger to acknowledge that COVID-19 is real. I mean, you've got thousands upon thousands of people dying all around the world and they are they're not covering their mouth they're not covering their hands with gloves they're not doing anything and then when i walk into target the grocery store i don't know what people are thinking but when someone looks at me with a an what appears to be disdain i'm wondering are you looking at me that way because I have something you don't have, gloves and masks? Are you looking at me that way because you think that I think I'm better than or other than you? Why are you looking at me in such a way when you're not participating in your own rescue? Hmm. You're not showing that this thing is real enough, serious enough, meaningful enough 
that you take it serious that even on, even if you just put it on regular gloves, you're going to do something. And it's about discomfort, facing your discomfort and dealing with the pain in a time where we're all, you know, reeling from this thing. You know, I, I just find it so crazy. So I'm, so I'm glad you guys, are, we've gotten together to discuss the now, listen, levels of discomfort and now. what we can do about yeah. it. <laughs> So, so Charles, I mean, just back on your point, right? Yeah. And I just, I see this so practically. I mean, this whole COVID-19 thing, I see this so practically. I, I don't know whether this is real or not, but the implications of me being wrong, <laughs> so much greater <laughs> than the implications of me being right. So I'm going to wear the gloves. <laughs> Right, exactly. I'm cover my mouth, right? Because exactly. if 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 I don't believe it's real and I'm right, then we just look foolish. Well, right? you know the Lord will protect you, right? Yeah. Well, God helps those yeah. who help their that's right help themselves, right? But you so know, why not give him a little help so maybe he can spend a little time on somebody else? Yeah, yeah. Come on now. I was going to say moment of transparency. <laughs> so I remember this was late February when I traveled to Florida. And I was at the airport and I was with a friend and she was at a different part of the airport. And anyway, I'm looking at some of these people, you know, and not everybody at this time, it was just a handful of folks, but she was sharing that uh, there was a woman who was literally like just covered up, just all this. And in my mind, I was very judgmental because I'm thinking, if it's that deep, why are you even traveling? Or if you're that sick, just go home. You know, it's like, don't expose the rest of us. And of course, now a month later, I'm like, okay, I get it. But the other thing is, is it's easy to be judgmental both ways, right? Yeah. Because I see it on my next door neighbor app. People are like, oh, people are going to the grocery store without the mask on. And people are like, I don't have a mask, so please don't judge me. I'm waiting, you know, and it just goes back and forth and forth and back. So I think, you know, we all want to be right to some degree. No one wants to be that one that's doing something different. And at the same time, it goes back to what Tamara was saying about we just need more grace, love, and compassion in the world. And I hope that at this point, people are taking it seriously. Like, here's where my tolerance is low, where people do something idiotic, like coughing over food, and now they have to get rid of however thousands of dollars worth of food. Or um, you know, folks who are wearing the mask but yet still touching themselves, and then you see the <laughs> the after effect of that. So just be sensible is yeah. you know my. I biggest. can say this: I don't mind being wrong. Yeah. I think I'm right, but I don't yeah. mind being wrong. In some cases, I hope that I am wrong. Mm -hmm. But I looked at my Facebook uh, profile, and I didn't realize that. Not that I was That's the first. Probably case. one of the first people wearing masks and stuff like that because I looked at it. This is about three weeks ago, and it says this post is from two months ago. I'm like, damn, was that that ahead of the curve? Mm -hmm. So I get on the train, the DC Metro, and I'm sitting across from a cop. And he says, Man, it ain't that serious, you know what I'm saying? And, and you you're doing too much. I said, Are you a doctor or a scientist? Mm -mm. And he goes, No. I says, Well, neither am I. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be safe than sorry. That's and right. regardless, even if it wasn't about the cancer and all that, yeah, that that's real. I may be considered high risk, but why take a chance mm -hmm. just because, man, the government always up to something? You know they always up to something. Oh, that's part of the reason why I don't trust half the stuff, and that's why the virus, whatever the uh, the um, 
the uh, serum they're going to give create. Oh, you yeah. ain't shooting it in me. Right, right. I'm not taking it. <laughs> Shoot. I know. So, and, and it's funny you even said that, you know, being in the DMV and then now look, right? Trains. This is my sister. She didn't call me twice. Let me see. Mm, yeah. Trains and things of that nature um, that are offline. 97% of Americans who are, again, not working, um, you know, who are working from home in this particular place and space that, you know, we're not certain what that looks like. Hey, Tanya, do you need me? Can I call you right back? Okay, thank you. Hey Tanya. What's up, sis? <laughs> <laughs> or Michelle said hi. I'm on the co um, conference with um, the Collab Lab, and Michelle is a soror. Hey, soror. <laughs> she said, "Hey, soror." Hey, <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll call you back. Uh, um, you know, and, and all of this, you, you know, people like you said, you know, wondering, you know, is it, is it not? but look at the devastating and the staggering statistics of the African-American once again. So Michigan, only 14% of Michigan population is of black and brown people, but 41% of their cases are black and brown people. In Illinois- Philadelphia too. Yeah, Philadelphia. So again, if it wasn't serious, guess what? It's always serious to us because we're always, for some strange reason, being susceptible to X, Y, and Z because of our immune systems, because of comorbidities, because of the way our body carries. We talk about chakras, the way our body carries stress, the depression, the anxiety of being black and brown in this white America. Mm -hmm. True. I think, you know, and Joy talks about that with the post-traumatic um, slave syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Right? We carry that in our system. We carry that in our bodies. Mm -hmm. So Tamara, let, let's take that, that, that statement, that comment, and tie it back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this conversation around how the, the, the stories we tell ourselves really impact mm. us physically. Yes, wow. they do. Yeah. Right, it really impacts us physically. And uh, I believe, and I said this actually earlier today, that um, our names have meaning possibly in other languages that we might not even understand consciously. Mm -hmm. You know, so if, and I think Galen means something like calm, calm advisor, I think is what really? Galen means. Michelle is righteousness of God. <laughs> all right. mean in, one in, that is strong. Yeah. So and so that it typically typically our names have meaning in another yeah. language that we don't consciously understand. Typically, especially here in the United States, it's Latin, and very few of us understand Latin. But I, I think subconsciously we understand those languages. So when when we start calling you Michelle, and you start owning that as your identity, mm. and you start responding to that as your identity. I think you're subconsciously responding to what that actually is, what that is actually saying and decreeing over you in yes. another language. But check so this I out, Galen. Think about the fact that our parents probably weren't thinking about that, yet well, the name still resonated so deep that that, you may not believe it, you may not accept it, but it resonated so deep that that is the essence of who we are at our core. 
Mm. That's why the Bible points out to that, that names were changed as a result of their growth. Like um, Jacob was changed to Israel because Jacob meant it was like a, a, a taker, someone who's always like okay. a thief. And then it was changed to Israel to represent whatever it represented in the Hebrew language. And so the Bible points out where people's names were changed as a result of what it meant. Um, Jabez, in the prayer of Jabez, Jabez meant someone who yes. basically their life was going to be so terrible. Terrible, and, yes. Yeah. Yes. And look, as a shameless plug in my book, <laughs> I do have a little section that talks about what's in a name and ah. how at least, yeah, with, with my family, um, my dad was very much into, when he served in the military, he was in France and fell in love with that culture. And that's where, he, he didn't look at it as the righteousness of God. You know, he looked at it as well. <laughs> Folks, if you're just joining in, you're listening to a special edition of the Collab Lab. You know, we always say, don't just blab, bring it to the Collab Lab. But I am Sir Charles, we've got Michelle, Galen, and Tamara, and we're talking about some of the discomforts of life in the midst of COVID-19. So please share this out. Uh, uh, talk to us about it. Leave comments. If not in real time, in the replay. We'd love to get your feedback, as we always do. Let me just add this to just in light of COVID. Um, someone had posted, and they said it was just a matter of time. And it goes back to parents and even present-day folks, because we like to get real creative with names sometimes. Mm. And apparently there were... Mm. There were twins, oh. <laughs> twins born in New York, I think it was, or something. And the parents fixed themselves to name these kids COVID and Corona. And oh, like, no. it is just a matter of time. But again, you know, maybe not. I don't know. We think it's clever, we think it's cute, but now these kids presumably are going to go through life carrying the heaviness of what those two names represent to us right now in 2020. Right. I thought when I did see that, but I thought it was a meme. I didn't know that, I didn't think that it's real. So I was hopeful so that it can't be real. That I, can't look, be real. that's where everybody was, let, just look through the files. But since, you know, everybody um, was talking about the meaning of their name. So Tamara, loving and caring person. Wow. Amen. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and so right when we're talking about you know, what's in a name. And for me, with Charles talking about the importance of it in our parents, I took on the enormity or the weight of being cognizant and conscious of people's names because I grew up with people not being able to pronounce my name. That's and an article that I read, especially those individuals that have African names or names that are ethnic that some, you know, um, individuals of Caucasian persuasion find difficult to pronounce. There is some, um, there's pain that's tethered to that. And they said it's also underlying racism as well. Wow. Because when you're thinking about how our ancestors was brought over here, we had names. Let's just go, listen, when we showed up here on these United States of America, the Native American, the Native Americans, our first persons, the indigenous indigenous people were here. They had named everything, but guess what? They felt like, oh no, we want to change the name of everything, and they changed the name of everything so then that way it could have a um, Eurocentric look and feel to it. To yeah. Again, die with the lie this as if they were the first ones here. Make them comfortable, Jack. Yeah. Of course, right? So again, what did Galen say in the beginning? What happens is all too often 
because I stand up and tell my truth. You see me as the brilliant being that I am and I can't do anything about it. You had a 400 year head start and I'm still on that A. Come on, man. So we got prison to pipeline. We have all of these other things to try to rip us from who we are innately the most creative, the most resilient beings and persons ever. You think about our swag. We are the culture. Come on. Yes. Yeah. I just did, I took the liberty of looking up the names Corona and COVID just to see what <laughs> I would find. And uh, COVID, of course, is just related to disease, which yeah. is obviously like Jabez, right? Yeah. But Corona is funny because they are polar opposites. Mm-hmm. Corona says the rarefied ga- gaseous envelope of the sun and other stars. The sun's corona is normally visible only during a total solar eclipse when it is seen as an irregularly shaped pearly glow surrounding the darkened disk of the moon. Uh, Definition two, a part of the body resembled or likened to a crown. Mm. And there are two others, but that just gives me an indication of the possibility of what these two children will grow up dealing with um, either subliminally or psychologically, whether they even realize it or not. And that's like, wow. Like Cain and Abel almost. Yes, yes, exactly. Right? Exactly. And in Spanish, if I'm not mistaken, Corona is crown. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, because this has been, you know, every once in a while I do a deep dive on something totally irrelevant. And I went to coronation and mm. right this is Holy Week. And I was thinking, wow, Corona, coronation, Christ, rising, new birth. It just. Crown, all that. Yeah. Yeah. There is on a spiritual note, on a religious tone, there is no surprises to God. Everything is strategically aligned the way it's supposed to happen. And what his bigger purpose is during this whole season, I don't know. But I know that it it strategically aligned with where we are as it relates to religious holidays. So it's just... I I think it's to draw us closer to him. Absolutely. I believe somewhere it is written that he is known by many names. So regardless to your affiliation, whether it's to Islam, Christianity, uh, Buddhism... I personally believe is to draw us closer to him. Now, I'm not talking about extremist groups, but those in their original, authentic, um, derived uh, purpose, you know, especially the major or the, not just popular, but the major religions of the world, I'll just say that for lack of maybe the proper terminology, I think it's just to get us to be closer, to recognize who he is and who we are. Yeah. Yeah, to draw us closer to a higher source. Because the United States is off the chain. I mean, make no mistakes about it. We have perverted everything. And there's so many other countries, not saying that this is the only country that does bad, no. But there's so many other countries have now said, they do it. So now they're doing it tenfold or fivefold. Mm. You know, because when you look at, we talk about slavery, right? And I had to see it for what it was. Yeah, there were tribes in Africa that were selling um, other people to uh, whether it's the Spaniards or the different, you know, um, travels, uh, travelers. Yeah. And so you can't say that it's just them because it was being done to ourselves. 
However, they didn't took it in upstate yeah. up, up upsold it like a thousand times over, you know, and and capitalized on it and created the whole mindset, the the wannabes that the see I'm getting so frustrated. I'm just like stumbling over my words, but you know, the haves <laughs> and the have nots, you know, the the field slaves and the house slaves. I mean, they just have gone a muck, ran a muck with this thing, and um, now it's just normal, right? I, yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that the level of psychology that was applied to slavery in America was ever ever done before. I think that this was like a whole nother level. Okay, the psychology, the thoughtfulness that went into. Um, not only, you know, what did Carter G. Carter G. Woodson say? Uh, if I know what a man thinks, I don't have to worry about what he's going to do. Oh, yeah. So that's 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 what's going on here. Uh, exactly. The way that people, the way that a people uh, was able to think and learn and communicate and what they think of themselves uh, was applied here. You know, Carter G. Woodson even also said, uh, you know, if, if a man has been conditioned to go through the back door and if you don't provide one for him, he's going to build one for himself because that's how he's been conditioned. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, so I, I, I've heard the comparison of uh, slavery in America to slavery as it was, as it was uh, done in, in the African countries. Totally, totally, totally different. Even to the point where, even if I were going to sell you as a slave in an African country to another tribe, if I had known that this is what it, what your life was going to end up with, I don't know that I would have done that to my to my worst enemy. Right. I don't think they would have done that. I there's, think there's no there's no way they could have anticipated that slavery in America was going to be what it turned out being. No, they. No, I, I don't believe that they did either. Right. Um, but when you're thinking about the impact, it's so far-reaching and, in you know, intergenerational, just continuous and continuous. And talking about Carter G. Woodson, that reminded me of, you know, the very great James Baldwin. And he talked mm. about if when you have been beaten down, when you've been brainwashed, when you have been fed a story about you, guess what? You become psychologically tethered to it and you become an accomplice in your own murder. Yeah, yeah. That's like Stockholm to the thousand power. Oh, oh my goodness, Stockholm syndrome. Absolutely, right? Because it's yeah. like, well, not only the Stockholm, but again, the whole notion you know, of you believe what you've been told because we've been socialized. The ideology around it is so strong. The stories we tell ourselves, Galen, the stories we tell ourselves. Men don't want to hurt us. Look, look what he gave us a shed. We got our own little water. And when they get finished eating, we can have all the crumbs. Right. And no, and then here it is. And then it also says so in the Bible. Mm. Yeah, from the excerpts that they allow us to read. Yeah. The portion. So, I mean, just just even even the part that you said about James Baldwin. I mean, just think about the idea of being tethered to an identity. Even if you don't believe in that identity, let's say you're conscious enough to know that that identity that you're tethered to is not is incorrect you're still going to spend your time trying to show folks how that's not my identity. So even in that, you're tethered to it. Yeah, right. right? Even, right even, because, if I spend my time, even if I spend my time trying to demonstrate that, that well, I'm not a thug. Right. Here's an example of me not being a thug. 
I know that you say that I'm supposed to be a thug, but I'm not a thug. Let me show you how I'm not a thug. Well, the fact that I'm giving that energy <laughs> takes away from yeah. my from my from my purpose of being. Absolutely. So because those who don't have suited and booted, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> An executive board meeting, you know, collar yeah, but, and but some of that, some of that's natural. You know, I, I say Galen, uh, you're just a coach. And so what now you're going to try to convince me that you're not just a coach. You have a business. Or, but normally, if I didn't say that, you're still going to have a business. You're still going to be a coach. So some, I agree with that to a degree, not fully, because you're still going to live your life. And they will still have their opinion. It's not, not you're right to a degree, but it's not that they're always trying to convince the naysayer that, no, I'm not the thing you call me. You're just living your life, doing your thing. But I still think that the degree to which you allow that to be part of your, of narrative. your approach is still minimizing what you could be doing, mm-hmm. right? Because I've, I've spent so much, you know, you know my, my experience has largely has been a corporate experience. And I've spent so much of my corporate experience trying to demonstrate that I am just as good, if not better. Whereas, Maybe we should make put that out as a, a call to action or as a, a question. What do people think? Are you spending more time trying to prove to people that do not support you that you are better than or that they're wrong? How do you spend your time when someone goes against you or speaks against your will, your, your effort, your career, whatever it may be? How much of you are you really giving to that power that really has no power over your life? Well, we know it's huge. We know it's exponentially huge. Why? Because Vincent Norman Peale told us nine out of 10 people are inferior and the ego is real. Your subconscious mind is stronger than your conscious mind. So until we give it something to do, we do show up believing and thinking we're the imposter, especially if you're the only one in corporate. Michelle is an attorney. Galen, his corporate experience. Sir Charles, you up here radiating the brain. You're what? probably one of how many, two or three that are operating in this space. Of course it is because it is the narrative. And I take it like this. We're going to be talked about. So why not start the damn conversation ourselves? So I I think to your point, even Tamara, though, I I think it was Du Bois and you probably could could check this better than I could, but he he suggested that uh, in in order for an African-American or black to have any level of success, they have to engage in some degree of, of double consciousness. Mm, They're always thinking about what am I trying to do? And then how am I going to be viewed by doing what I'm trying to do? So the fact that you even have to spend any amount of time on how you're being viewed is taking away the energy. from. But some of that's natural though. Some, some of that's natural, even especially in business. Okay, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to do this business out of my house. I'm going to use my balcony as my uh, business platform. That's going to be my storefront. And will they let me? Will it sound crazy? Will people think that this doesn't? Some of that's natural in some structure, in strategy. Some of it is, but I, I submit that um, there is a self-imposed psychology that we go through. I would agree with you. I think I, do, I don't, of, I, I don't other, totally that disagree a lot of with other, you. Yeah. A lot of other cultures um, don't go through. And I'm at, I'm at this point, I'm, I'm at this point now, you know, my daughter, 
I almost made it through a show or a conversation without talking through talking about my daughter. Almost made it, but here it comes. About what? About my daughter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but here it comes. <laughs> um, you know, my daughter is of an age where we are uh, talking seriously and evaluating seriously what college will look like for her, what it should or could look like for her. And whereas we've always done this, we've done this, you know, since she was eight years old, we've had some idea of the kinds of colleges and that kind of thing. But now she's like a year and a half out, if not a year out. And so we're really starting to think, you know, the schools that she's wanting to go to based upon the, the high school that she's in now, very competitive. The Ivy Leagues are always in the conversation, that kind of thing. And there is value in that. And then there is a very large contingent of my peers who went to HBCUs. And so the value that I hear them talk about, the, the, the difference that I see from those um, people that have been to HBCUs um, seems to be very different than I've seen from people that have gone to Ivy Leagues. How do we balance that out? And what I've often heard from those that have gone to HBCUs is that there is one level of, of self-evaluation that just isn't there, right? There's one level of self-criticism that's just not there. Now, there are still others, <laughs> right? You're not gonna be without issue. You're just not gonna have that issue, right? You, you can't say, perhaps my professor gave me this bad grade because of my race. No, maybe you got the bad grade because you just didn't do the work, right? And that's what I, I, I think that we miss out on uh, is that it's, it's that level of self-criticism that we apply, even if it's just a wonder. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder if I didn't get the promotion because. I wonder if they didn't buy my product because. Let me ask you this, Galen. Have you ever had an, an, uh, a thought or come to a conclusion in your current time as a man and you've said to yourself, dang, wow. I didn't know that. And maybe part of you thought that you should have already known that. We're always evolving. Sure. And sometimes because it's not always because of the influence or the opinions of others, maybe we aren't always giving of ourselves fully. I know for me, I haven't always given of myself fully. A lot of times I like the shortcut. A lot of times I wanted to do it fast and I didn't really appreciate the entire experience because I did it fast. And I'm now ready for the next thing. So That's I didn't right. appreciate the experience. So down the line where I'm going, Oh snap. That's what I was. Okay. I won't know. I didn't know that. Well, maybe if I had a different approach in life, not necessarily because of others, but maybe because of others, perhaps I would have come to that understanding a lot sooner in my life. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways that we can slice and dice this, right? Yeah, that's true. Good point. Good point. <laughs> and I believe that, you know, Tamara and I also as being women. So you have black sure. and woman. And then you have people who, I mean, there's always going to be that division. So you have people who went to an Ivy League versus someone who went to a community college. So did I not get, or who didn't go to school? So am I, it, you know, that self-doubt will always creep its way in. And personally for me, and this has been, a journey and I have evolved. It's like, what can I do? What's within my control? Sure. I'm always looking for how do I not 
become the story? How do I not internalize the story of, oh, it must be because I'm X, Y, or Z? How do I change that narrative, right? Um, and so coming away from a victim perspective mm -hmm. to how can I be empowered perspective? What can I control and what can I do? And you know what? People are gonna have their thoughts. They're gonna say what they have to say. What, wh why am I allowing other people's opinions to kind of penetrate all of this? Sometimes it's unavoidable. If you know, I work for myself and that carries its own weight. You know, there are ways that people think I should show up in certain circumstances. Right. I should do in certain circumstances. And maybe it's just the maturity part of me, but as an example, as an attorney, people think, oh, you're supposed to be so formal and so, you know, shake your, you know, the whole bit. I am legit hugging my clients. I mean, my conversations are kind of like how they are now. It doesn't matter if they're white, they're black, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> this is who I am. And I've become comfortable with who I am. And so, I think that I know that that is part of the journey, but I have been that way 30 years ago, fresh out of school. Probably not. I would have bought into the story that no, you were supposed to behave. You're supposed to speak the queen's you know, English and speak, sure. talk a certain way and dress a certain way. And it's like, now this is who I am. Love me or leave me. It's so all you don't wear the dark suit with the collar <laughs> on the outside. And so, so just, 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 um, you know, talking about women and how we do have another layer. And then as black women, there's another layer. Uh, I liken that to my journey as well. And I said, I went from knowing to doing to being. Mm. Hey. Yes. And, and I'm not. Title really of your next book. Yeah. Title of your next book. Like that. That. <laughs> I'm telling you what I know. Okay. <laughs> and guess what? I'm going to take it. I'm yeah. Sir Charles said, so it's going to be a bestseller. New York's right. Yeah. And we, we ruminate, we lament over, over and over again. Well, did I not get the position because of this? You know, well, I gave this particular answer to one of my colleagues or the boss, and I hope he didn't take it personal. I hope, and then men are not even thinking anything about it. They're just connecting it to, oh, well, it was just a purpose, or this happened. Well, we take it on as a personal dig against us or something that we did personally and i and i caught myself because i can't remember what i did it was something happened and i was thought about i'm like girl you ruminate about nothing okay. and, but it was that whole idea stop yourself in your tracks when you catch yourself on that train or that downward spot mm -mm, nope yeah. stop it not now but right now and then stop that play and then replace it with another thought. And that's the whole idea of, again, the mind, making sure that we're taking care of my irradiating the brain, mm -hmm. as Sir Charles was saying. <laughs> so folks, with that being said, we want to thank you for another opportunity of chiming into this special edition of the Collab Lab. You know, there's always something to do, think about, process, understand, or even make sense of. And what we try to do is bring it right to you but we love to have your feedback. So with that being said, on behalf of my colleagues, Michelle, Galen, Tamara, as I always like to say, don't just blab, bring it to the Collab Lab. We'll see you next time.